In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room I invite you to just notice your next breath This is the only moment right now. We can't change what has happened. We only have this moment to be in, to be alive in. It's like that song, we can only be alive in each note. And so in this aliveness, wherever there is discord, distress, chaos alive in you, or alive in the world, let us use the Buddhist practice of tonglen, to breathe it in. And in our breath, breathing it in, breathing it into a, an open heart, a heart of compassion. That it is purified, we breathe back out into the world. Relief, joy, love, opportunity, peace. And so, coming together in the energetic of that, using these body temples for something more than just simply consumption. And moving from point A to point B, let us know that we are the thing itself, individualized on this planet right here and right now, powerful beyond measure. Something powerful and beautiful is finding its way in and through and as each and every one of us, only if we invite it and listen and pay attention, despite what is going on. And so I just give thanks this day for ears to hear, eyes to see, arms to hug and to hold, and hands to create and transform in a consciousness and the freedom of choice, freedom. Freedom in a way that is in alignment with the divinity of who and what we are. And so I just give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome, well we're gonna do a ritual and then I'm gonna bring up some very, very important uh, individuals that I wanna uh, have you witness their sharing today. So I want you to stand up for a second, now that you've been boogied out here a little bit with a couple of tunes that got us awake and alive, I want you to find a partner. I'm going to have Valda come up here and partner up with me. Come on up. I need a partner. I get to do this too. All right. Look your partner in the eye and say, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being alive on this planet at this time. Thank you for being alive on this planet at this time. You have gifts to share. Oh, you have gifts to share. You have love to share. You have power to reveal. You have potential to fulfill. Let us change the world for a better place. And so it is. Give them a hug or a handshake. Some even kissing up here. Okay. That's allowed to. That's allowed to. All right. So that's the two or more. That which we hear, we forget. That's what we see, we remember. And that which we say, we become. And so we have just made a declaration to someone 
It also ties in with it says in Matthew, where two or more are in agreement, it is done. So all you have to do is agree to what has just been said. So thank you so much because it shifts and changes. Just like that music shifts and changes us. There's an aliveness in it. There's a freedom in it, as Dan said. To watch somebody get up and just, you know. I mean, he just didn't get up this morning and somebody had gifted him a, a harmonica and say, I think I'll go over to the Center for Spiritual Living and try this out. There's a bit of practice and preparation that went into that. So we honor all the time and energy and the commitment to do that. What a blessing. All right. So I'm going to invite our um, Alicia to come on up. Alicia... Um, uh, I, a lot of Alicia uh, Cloutier Purcell, Purcells. Okay, got it. First time, I'll be quiet now. I got it the first time. And uh, Rosita and uh, Ayana. I'm, our teens just got back from camp, and I'm going to let Alicia, who leads this beautiful group and is always looking for other gifted individuals to help assist her in that, just to let you know, a little plug for the teen group. But we have an amazing teen group, and I want the teens to uh, share with you their experience. They just got back from summer camp. It's 300, 350 t- youth from all over North America that meet and go through a very transformative and very deep and, and uh, amazing experience. I've been there a number of times. It's life-changing for these, this beautiful youth group. And I want to let them uh, share with you what their experience was. Good morning. So um, I started going to summer camp when I was a teen. I moved through the teen group when I was 14. I'm 26 now. And I just loved it so much that they couldn't get rid of me. Um, I was stuck around. And this year we took four teens, uh, two of which are up here standing with me, and it was a week long, and this year's theme, which is picked by the youth, uh, they get to vote on it, and it was, your God is showing. And so the theme of all of the workshops and all the activities was um, how to best express that God self within you, that vibrant expression that's always wanting to move through you, and how to reveal that deeper and deeper. So uh, what we do is we group into families of 10 people, and they're usually strangers. Um, so you, get, you sit down with these nine strangers, and by the end of the week, you've probably shared more about yourself and more of yourself with these nine strangers than you have with people you've known for years in your life. So it's a truly transformative experience. Uh, we had some amazing workshops this year. We did uh, shocker bracelets and connecting with those areas of ourselves that we wanted to uh, deepen in. We did a totem pole workshop uh, and connect communicate, which looked at ways that we can communicate without words, so energetically, with our hearts, with our eyes, um, and with embracing. And a baggage workshop, just a lot of really powerful workshops that just really went deep. And I want to give the opportunity to these teens to share with you their experience because I think that it is important for um, everyone in the community to just see what is being, what the foundation is being built on for these youth. And I also just really wanted to quickly acknowledge that we took four teens this year, and there are 350 on that mountaintop. And we, the whole group, usually um, we vote at the end of camp for a leadership team of um, six or six to ten people. And they write the workshops all themselves, it's all the teens, and um, of that small handful, this center sent two people to workshop planning, which is huge. And so, it just, I am so proud that this group of people are so inspiring to the rest of this youth community and the congregations and just the world. And so I just want to give them an opportunity to share what their experience was this week. 
Hi, um, so I'm Ayanna, I'm 16, and this is my third summer camp this year. Um, and when I went to that mountain the first day, I looked around expecting to see familiar faces from um, past camps. Uh, but I saw that I didn't really know that many people, and I realized that that was because we had more than half of them, I think, were people who had come for the first time. Uh, they were really, really new. They were scared a bit. They were, they were not. Ex they didn't know what to expect, and that just reminded me of how far I've come uh, from my first camp. I remember uh, being really nervous and shy and scared, and not being able to come out and talk or do anything. Um, but now I'm here in front of you. Uh, I'm planning to run for leadership next year. I, uh, my life has become very much, like, considerably better because of these camps. And uh, I just wanted to share that experience with you, and I wanted to help the people who come, came for the first time this year, uh, to help them know that they, that's what they have in store. They are going to learn and grow from this camp, and it just helps a lot of people, so... My name is Rosita, I'm 15, and this is my first summer camp. And I'm just gonna start off by saying it was amazing. And uh, I'm just gonna briefly talk about one of my favorite workshops, which was uh, about forgiveness. So we had to think of a situation or person that we had yet to forgive. And we wrote down what they did, uh, uh, if we forgive them, how that will make us feel. Um, what I wrote down is I would feel relieved, have a baggage lifted off my back, and after writing everything, we shredded up the paper, and we put it in water, and our whole family did that, and it just felt good to, like, it felt relieving. <laughs> and later on we added seeds to the paper um, so it's what's it called? Uh, seed paper, seed paper. <laughs> and it's to remind us that there's a process of forgiveness and I just thought that was a great uh, reminder so I hope I will plant that pretty soon. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for staying for both services and sharing. Thank you, Alicia. Beautiful. So that's part of our story. We're talking about stories today and, and stories about how the freedom to tell our stories. But that becomes uh, a big part of the tapestry of their lives. We may or may not have a, uh, a uh, screen here, from what I can tell. One of the things that we're working on is we need a new roof on this place. And I don't know if you know or not, but you know now. And uh, we're, we're tendering bids right now. But when it rains, it actually rains inside the building. And it rained on the computer upstairs. So it's... Uh, and if, if you've ever noticed, if you mix electronics with water, it's not a good combination. There's a commercial. That's cool. 
All right, so I'm going to go ahead anyway, and I will do my best with or without that, uh, that slideshow. So here we are in our purpose. We've already done our, our greeting. Today we're talking about the freedom to tell our story, which I just mentioned with our teens. And there's three points I want to touch on briefly today. There's, there's, there's two ways to tell our stories. Number one, yeah, there we go. Number two is facing the challenge. And number three is keep returning to the road of freedom. And so I will remind you as we go along. So the first idea, Dr. Holmes, I had the quote up there for you, but it may or may not come up, so let me share it with you. Uh, it's a beautiful quote from the, pre, the, uh, the beginning of the introduction of The Essential Ernest Holmes, which is a book I've been using all month to kind of inspire some of the conversation. Dr. Holmes is our founder. And he said, so the, this idea around two ways to tell our stories. He said, you may be sure of this. There is an integrity to your soul such as you will find nowhere else in the universe. There's an integrity to your soul such that you will find it nowhere else in the universe. There's an integrity to your soul such that you will find it nowhere else in the universe. Part of learning is repetition. But it's such an important point because what he's saying is not something that we acquire, it's not something that we develop, it is just something that, that we, we are, that exists. And the challenge is we get born into this life and there's, there's disappointment, there's heartache, there's, there's, uh, we're domesticated in a way many times that doesn't celebrate that. You know, I was, I was, I was domesticated by parents that cared a lot. They, they gave everything they had. Their dream was to have a lot of children, so they had 11 children. And so, but the way that, that, that love was conveyed is that it wasn't about that you're loved just because we're so glad you're here. I never heard that. Oh boy, here he comes. Yay! But I mean, how many of us have and how many have got that? And they didn't get it. So it's hard to give what you don't get. But anyway, but the point being is that so they, what, what they impressed upon me was you, we, you may not be loved, but if you make yourself productive and, and, and you're a good person, we'll need you. So my emphasis was I'm going to make sure these people need me. They may not love me, but they're going to need me because I'm going to do what they say to do and show up and be the kind of person. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a very small container of love. And then you learn to fight for a very small idea of love. And then you get to go along your life living that out or you can say, wait a minute. There's too much suffering involved with this. I don't think I want to suffer my whole life. I'm watching all of my ancestors and it just seems to be a, a, a path of, of uh, pain and suffering. Holmes said it. I put it up last week that the world has learned enough through suffering and pain. We have. It's not the only requirement. But many times we have experiences that trigger us or not to make a different choice. He continues. You guys give me a heads up when that screen comes back on. Well, thank you. Those are Dan's lyrics, though. I'm not going to be singing Dan's song. He does a much better job with that than I will. So the, the two ways to tell our story slide, if we can pull that up. And maybe not, so I will continue. Sorry for the distraction. So what I just said is you may be sure that this, there's an integrity to your soul such as which, as you will find nowhere else in the universe. Here you will meet life. He's talking about meeting life within the depths of our being. Here you will decide and here you may neutralize the thought patterns of the ages by simply denying them. It's not that we're denying that they didn't happen, but denying the energy to graciously and beautifully release the blood and body of our ancestors, the epigenetics of it, 
where you see generation after generation after generation, and all of a sudden it plays itself out in some condition and form because it's energy. It gets passed down through the generations. And so many of us unknowingly say, well, I'll run with that. I'll run with that idea because that's, that's, the, that's the tribe I come from. And we've always done it this way, so I'm going to go ahead and continue to do it that way. So many people do that mindlessly. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate the, the, the sovereign nations that we all live in. But when that becomes an extreme, it becomes dangerous. It's out of whack. Because we got one planet. We're one people. There's no such thing. Bill Nye, the, the science guy, says there's no, there's no thing, such thing as race. There's no race. We're one race, the human race. And the great thinkers and the deep thinkers and the philosophers and the people that loved beyond measure understood that. So it's a very, very small idea to think it's us against them. There are people out there behaving in ways that we don't approve of. I mean, this week, we saw it. Last week, I talked about uh, that every week there's another mass shooting or explosion, the, the, the discord in Turkey and the thing that happened in Nice, France. You know, I don't know how many people from all over the world it, it impacted, but it's sad. Those things go on. But the only, and, and Holmes says that the way to, to, to deal with this, and what we talked about last week, is to once again not withhold love. The tendency is to, to fight hate with hate, because that's what we're seeing is hate and ignorance, stupidity, greed. And, and, and fighting it with those same tools only exacerbates it. It's like trying to put out a forest fire with a can of gasoline. But it's hard to love in conditions like that, and yet that is what we're called to. We are shepherds of a possibility to look out at the world despite how our hearts are broken and not to close them and say, yes, but I stand for love. But Holmes says, here you will meet life, here you will decide, and here you may neutralize the thought patterns of the ages by simply denying them. We don't deny that they're happening, but we deny them energy. I'm not feeding that. I'm not joining in that. Because I know something, because there's a tremendous transition going on on the planet right now. And part of it we're seeing because it's in the news almost every day. And it is that discord, it's that fear that is prevailing, is so prevailing in the, in the media. And you get caught up in that, it's, it, it can spin us into that cycle of despair. And many people live their lives in despair, but many people don't. Because many people are awake and aware in their own sense of self, their own divinity. Holmes said this, we deny them by saying something greater than that. And he said this, there's a power greater than I am and I accept it. There's a power greater than I am and I accept it. There's something powerful and beautiful happening and I'm opening, I'm welcoming that. He said we must court the presence and practice the principle. Despite what's going on in our lives, when, our, when, when, when the, the, someone comes to us and promises something and takes our money and then disappears. We've had that experience. That people sit in, this, in this, this room, come to me over months and months and months and nurture relationships, say, hey, this is a, this is a for sure deal. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we invest and the next thing you know, the money and they are gone. But that's life. So I told Laura, I said, we don't have the luxury of doing this anymore because it takes so long to do the forgiveness work around it because we're all human. So I realized, you know, and it was, so we don't, we don't multi-level the, the community. We just tell people we're not here to market. But that was a wake-up call for me to realize, no, I want people to come in here and have some integrity about what we're doing. We're not here to sell product to one another. We're not here to multi-level market one another. We're here to, to help awaken one another. Go out in the world and be successful. Go out in the world and be successful. It's not that I don't celebrate commerce. We do. We just don't do commerce in here because this is our sacred space. You know, the story of Jesus going into the temple and throwing the money changers out. This is a sacred space, or it's not. 
Otherwise, we turn into a, a business networking uh, company. I don't want to be part of a community like that. But those are the choices that you make along the way. But you can do it with love. Say, no, we just don't do that here. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I had a realtor come and say to me, you know, I'll give 10% of all my commissions to the center if you refer all your people to me. And I said, well, what do I do with the other 20 realtors I have? Why don't you all go out and be successful and tithe? There's an idea. That's the last time I saw him. But I'm just saying, you know. <clears throat> but that's discernment. That's an invitation. Step up, be part of it. But there's a power greater than I am and I accept it no matter what the mistakes are. The universe holds nothing against us ever. So what the mistakes are? What the mistakes have been? The universe doesn't hold anything against us. Who's holding something against us? It's just life. Life unfolding. And so there's two ways to tell our story. We can tell it because it's compulsive and we gotta share it. And it's just so much of who and what we are. Let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. Let me share, oh, let me tell you the bad things that happened here. And, and so there's an energetic around it. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever had that experience? Just, I'm the only one? Okay, well, I'll tell you what happened with me. So, but, but, or you can say, as I just demonstrated to you, I've had experiences here. And so what I do is I realize, wow, I made this decision. It didn't go the way I planned. I get to do my forgiveness work and move forward making a new decision. So when the same situation arises, now I say, well, you know what? I've done that before. It didn't work well. It's kind of like mixing apples and oranges. I'm not going to do that now. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience because what it's done now is it has informed my present moment of freedom. No, nope, I want to live in freedom. Don't want to do that. Thanks. That's a distraction. But that takes, that takes energy and work, discernment, filtering it out. It ain't easy. It's so easy to go, oh, that was a horrible experience. Let me tell you what happened to me. So it's really about the energetic of it. It's really about how do we, is it, is it something that, we're, that is still driving us and moving us and dominating our, our thinking and our capacity? Or is it something that's informing us in this present moment to say, yeah, I made a mistake there. I went off the rails there. I made a vow to myself. That Rumi song, Come, Come, Whoever You Are. Doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a thousand times. I love that song. God does not care. God just says, I love you. It's hard for us in these human forms to understand and comprehend the nature of the infinite. The infinite just wants to express. The infinite just wants to play the harmonica or whatever the outlet may be, or the guitar. It does. The infinite wants to take its toes down to the warm sand on the beach and scrunch them in there. And we're here. God says we are here. God, Ernest Holmes said we're here for the delight of God, which he borrowed from Sri Aurobindo, who he loved and adored. Beautiful, holy man from the East. Sri means holy. Sri Aurobindo. So, facing the challenge... Here we go. The slides are awesome. Yay! Let's give the slides a hand here. Love them up. Love them up. So facing the challenge, how you face the challenges, it matters most how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as divine and precious and lovable that you have already been forgiven? You know, it's like God saying, like, forgive yourself. Put it down. Forget about it. Forget it. It's over. It's over. It's over. And you go, no, I will not. I will not. I will not. Do you know what they did to me? you know what they did to me? No, what did they do to you? Let's hear that story again. Facing the challenge. So what matters most is, and this is inspired by this idea that, that many times there's a, um, the, the Maasai warriors still do this. The Maasai warriors live on the, the plains of Africa. And when they go through the rite of passage as young men, what they're asked to do is go out and kill a lion with their spear. Can you imagine the rite of passage? 
I mean, you know, we have the Boy Scouts here. They get a merit badge for cleaning the park, right? <laughs> Probably not a lot of stress with that or collecting bottles or helping old ladies across the street, even if they don't want to go across the street, all that stuff. <laughs> but a Maasai, young Maasai man must take his spear and go out on the, on the plains of Africa and kill a lion. And so what they do, there's a ritual that prepares them. And what they do is they drink, they get drunk on some mixture, and they dance. And they dance and they dance themselves into an ecstatic state of being. They shift consciousness through their consumption of alcohol and dancing, which breaks down some of the fear and the terror that's obviously going on. Could you imagine, here's your spear, go kill a lion and let me know how it goes? And so what has happened is there's a, there's a in, in, so it's, it's, it's about them facing the challenge. So what do they do? Well, they, 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 they break themselves down a little bit through some, some chemical and through some dance so that they can face that challenge. In the, in the caves in Le Sous, France, there's where the earliest cave paintings have been found and been able to, to maintain themselves, where the floods haven't come in and destroyed it. But you'll see people, uh, I've got a slide here. There is, that's the first cinema. And on the ceiling are all of these paintings that these ancient people drew of what they worshipped. And what they worshipped for the most part was the animals because the animals were a source of life for them. The animals sustained them. And so they would go out and they would hunt the animals. And the the theory is Plato wrote about this, I think, in uh, The Republic. Plato talked about the idea of of, of a campfire inside of a cave and the shadows that it cast. And this man being held prisoner, he was chained to the side of the cave and all he could see were the shadows. And they were different images that he would, because it would, it would create fear and uncertainty with all of these shadows. But what they would do in the caves, the theory is now they would go in and they would practice going out and hunting these animals. They would prepare themselves for the challenge. They would face the challenge by going through and looking at the pictures, looking at the images and making it in their own minds, in their own heads, possible to succeed. And I think it's such an interesting way of, because stories have been around forever, but it's an interesting way for us to empower ourselves, to practice being successful, to stand in front of your mirror each day as a practice and say, I see the perfection in you, I see the divinity in you. The God within me celebrates the God within you that you have love to share. You have gifts to share. Let this be a day of developing, discovering, enhancing, and sharing those gifts. See, if we're gonna change the world from what it is now, which is the chaos and the hatred and and this frenzy of, you know, it's the fear of change that we're seeing collectively. If we're gonna change it, it's gonna be the small little practices that all of us can do. It's gonna be the small little practices that we can do this day. And it's so powerful. We don't think it's powerful to be kind to one another. When you see an opportunity to, even stepping aside for someone and say, no, you go ahead. You know, just be mindful in those small interactions and the the great love that we can convey in that. There's an energy in it. When we sing that song, there's enough love in in this room for the entire world, it's true. It doesn't take everybody. It just takes a small group of committed people. That group of teens that come together and they go through this life-transforming Rosita talking about the forgiveness stuff. She planted a seed of forgiveness and she said, I'm waiting for it to show up. She's applying the principles. She planted the seed and says, I hope it shows up. And to keep that alive, to know it's going to show up, to stand in that eager anticipation. 
But if she hadn't gone to camp and, and had it modeled for her and invited for her, she could have lived her whole life and never had that experience. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it is certainly a beautiful way to come together with peers and, and, and be given permission to do your own deeper inquiry. So it really is about facing the challenge, not running from it. It's really about understanding who I am and whose I am. You know, Dr. Holmes was such a great influence. I've been using this book all month, The, the Essential Ernest Holmes. We've got more coming. They're, they're sold out in the bookstore. I just adore this book. I tell people if it's the first book that you want to read about Holmes, this is the one because it's a synopsis of a lot of key little things he talks about. I mean, not little things, but very poignant things. But in 1926, he said it was 25, 1925 or 26, he said some friends of mine said, we should organize this because up until then he'd been doing lectures in different halls and he would travel all around North America. He and his brother Fenwick, they would get on a train, they would go to Chicago, they would do a series of lectures and then they would train people in affirmative prayer. Now this was during the Great Depression as well in that era. So it was very popular because most people had lost everything. There was such uncertainty and unknowing. So this isn't the first time of chaos and change. And so people came and said, we should organize this. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to organize this. He said, we, he said, I don't want to start a new religion or be responsible for it. I don't want to tell anyone what to do. I don't know what to do myself. So how can I tell anyone else? But isn't that a beautiful honesty? So many of us say, he didn't set us up as the authority. You do these things, follow these 15 commandments that I give you, and all will be well. But he did understand that it, what I don't know, something within me does know. And so what he said is, he said that they argued that this was something they thought was valuable and the greatest thing in the world, and they finally convinced me. And he said they started churches, and he went to different locations on different evenings, and he invited people. And it'd be 800 people that show up at one of his lectures. And he said, we need a church here. And he started a church there. And some of, the, some of the churches that are still going, Huntington Beach, Long Beach, they're all in California, Santa Monica, Redondo Beach, and other places. They all came out of, he was doing lectures at the Wiltern Theater. He said, faith is an attitude of mind accepted and no longer rejected. Faith is an attitude of mind accepted and no longer rejected. So how do you know you're standing in faith? Well, you're not arguing with yourself anymore. What are you certain about? Well, God's life is my life. There's one life, that life is perfect, that life is God, that life is my life now. If you practice that 10 or 20,000 times a day, I swear to God, after a while, this just becomes your, your inherent way of being because repetition is good learning. But practicing it frequently. No one can accept, can, can accept this idea for, the, for us. No one can reject it for us. We have to have the faith in what we teach and preach and practice. That, sci that science has or the gardener has. And when that terrific and great simplicity shall be, have plumbed and pe penetrated this destiny of ours, this human stolenness and stupidity, this blindness, blindness which we seem to be born with, this drunkenness, this debauchery of the intellect and the soul, then something new and wonderful will happen. It is the only thing that will keep the world from destroying itself. He's talking, I mean, this is so pertinent to what's going on today. I mean, the nature, that we can slip right into that, the debauchery of thinking, the drunkenness. You know, he's just talking about the random, and, and that's not the freedom he's talking about. I've been reading uh, Rudolf Steiner, and Steiner's very hard to read. He was one of Holmes' influences. He died in 1925. He actually wrote about a whole book on the, 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 uh, the problems we're having with the bees. He was a mystic. He could see, he, he did some predictions about what would happen in the year 2000. It's very interesting what he had to say. 
But he, he predicted the demise of the bees. You know, our honeybees seem to be going through a challenge right now. He, was, he wrote about that in the 1910s. And he said this about freedom. And he's hard to understand, so I want to just share it with you, and then we'll, I'll speak to it a little bit. He said, I call a thing free which exists in action the pure necessity of its nature. So free is when we're, uh, we're operating from the truth of our being. It's our nature. Divinity and love is our nature. Oneness, compassion, wholeness, love, it's our nature. And I call the unfree of which the being and action are precisely fixed determinedly by something else. That something else could be an agenda. It's, it's a wound, a hurt. And so we're going we're gonna to punish somebody. Or it's a fatigue that comes over us. Or a heartbreak or whatever it may be. Or we gotta, we gotta, we got to get even with somebody. That's how wars start. Wouldn't it be great if we had a, a group of enlightened world leaders that, that understood the divinity of all and would make choices based on that? And so we are part of that leading edge of consciousness. God, though necessary, is God. Thus, God, though necessary, is free because he exists only through the necessity of his own nature. Similarly, God knows himself and all else is free because it follows solely from the necessity of his nature that he knows all. So the infinite sees us as whole. God only sees perfection in you because he's looking from the eyes of perfection. It's his projection. It is God's projection upon the world. So when we make mistakes and are punishing ourselves or feel like we've got to punish somebody else, that's our own boondoggle. And how can we have the awareness, not that we, we don't look at those things and, and, and have discernment and say that's unacceptable. No, you're not doing that here, not here. That's part of it. It's not being a, a complete victim and rolling over, but it's understanding. It's just people operating from original ignorance. And so what, what Steiner was writing about was that we are free when we are in alignment with our own nature, which is the individualized expression of what Holmes was talking about. God. Spirit, no less, no more. There's never been one like you. There'll never be another one. So how we see ourselves. So keep returning to the, keep returning to the road of freedom. I have a quote from Reverend Christine Hardwick that I shared last week. I just pull, I pulled this out because it was so beautiful. And she wrote when she was writing about the discord that is going on and the, and the, and the killings of go, going on with the police and, and another incident I just saw on my phone between the services. Another incident in Louisiana where some police officers were killed. It's just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Because to what end? You know, for every one bad cop, there's a thousand really good ones. And for every one black person of color, there's a thousand good ones. And right now we're just seeing those ones and twos play it out. And we've got to hold the space of love. And Reverend Christine said this, the love that created us out of itself lives in repose inside of each one of us. Our magnificent lives, breathes, and has its expression to the extent we're willing to surrender to it. It's not about forcing it. It's going, you know what? God's life is my life. I'm going to work with this idea. I'm going to work with this idea today. There's one life. That life is perfect. That life is God. That life is my life now. So that is one of the tools that we can use to keep returning to the road of freedom because what happens for many of us is we go along life and we make mistakes. We find a, we find a, a, a class here, we find a class somewhere, we read a book and all of a sudden we realize, wow, I can, take, I can take control and make choices in my life. I can take responsibility for myself and my experiences. And I can allow that to inform me to make new choices. And what happens is we get going along, get going along and all of a sudden we go off the rails. 
And we find ourselves right back in the pattern of behavior that created the misery to begin with. And the tendency within us is to punish ourselves and go, oh, it's hopeless. I haven't made any progress at all. But in fact, we have. We have. Don't discount the work that you've done. This is part of it. Going off the rails is part of it. But this road I have up there for you, there's a, there's a, whoop, we're too far ahead. If you can go back, there's a picture of some trees on a road. There it is. See, but now with your practice, when you go off the road, you, you just end up on the shoulder. You don't end up in the middle of the swamp. Ever driven off the road all the way and ended up in the middle of the snowbank? Much harder to get back on. But what happens is we go along when we go off the road, we don't go so far off anymore. And we can get back on. It's easier for us. Many times we can just drive back on ourselves. We don't have to call a practitioner or a minister or a, a therapist or a radio talk show. We can just get right back on. But that's the journey. But the lie that we tell ourselves is because we made a commitment and a vow to stay on the road, this is where I'm going now, and we forget who we are because our old patterns and habitual ways of being overtake us and overwhelm us because we're tripwired to go back there for a while until the new consciousness gets embodied. We think we, we just got to give up on ourselves. So we spin into despair. But we're further ahead. The last place it shows up for us is in form. The last place. That's when Rosita said, I hope I see it. Well, it's on its way. It's on its way. The only way it won't get there is if she slams the door. You know, I hope this forgiveness stuff, all that stuff I was working on shows up. What's happening? It's happening now. Those deep levels of being. I planted this. As Holmes said, as certain as the scientist is or the gardener is. You know, we plant, we plant stuff every spring. That's great. I know what I'm planting. And I know where to put stuff now. I've had to experiment with some stuff. Some stuff needs more sun. Some stuff needs more shade. And if I don't give it sun or shade, the conditions aren't right. It dies. But so what do I do? Do I punish myself and never buy another plant because I let a a plant die? No, I say, you know what? This year I'm going to put that there because I know it will thrive there. I'm sorry the plant died. If I can transplant it and help it, I will. But this is how life is. We plant certain seeds, certain ideas. Sometimes the soil's not right, the conditions aren't right because our consciousness isn't there yet. It doesn't mean it's a failure. It just means not yet. To live in the not yet with the expectancy of the greater yet to be. Returning to the road. So the practices with their stories. What story are you telling? Are you talking about what happened 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago? Your journey prepared you for your present freedom. This was all required. This was necessary. What happened to you was required. Your soul required this so you could wake up. That's the way it works. Hmm, I know what that feels like. Not doing that anymore. I've made a commitment to myself. I'm going to be a better steward with my own consciousness, with my own thought, with my own resources, with my vital life energy. I'm going to be a shepherd of consciousness. When I read the paper and I see that another senseless act of violence has, has, has um, unfolded upon this planet, I'm going to know for everyone involved with this, they have everything they need because God is alive in them as well. That they have taken their free will and dominion to act in this way, which I don't agree with and I don't support, but I'm not going to stop extending love. It's really hard to do. It's hard to be loving. But that's what, if we, we look at the great teachers that have come down through the ages, they, it was all about love. Because the nature of God is love. And the second one, enjoy, go within yourself to meet this life. Expect it to respond knowing that it is going to. Go enjoy, so joy. 
Embodying the joy. Look in the mirror and say, this day we're practicing joy. We're activating joy. I'm going to be one of the few people on this planet that lives in joy all the time. There's going to be joy bubbling up underneath everything I think, do, and say, I don't have to impress anybody. That's just who I am. And work with that idea. There's an opportunity. Huh? You'll probably lose a lot of friends, but that's okay. Because there'll be new ones coming. And the last slide is, you are a divine idea in the mind of God. You're a divine idea. And we've shown up in this form. What a beautiful gift. What a beautiful gift we each one of us is. And to celebrate that, and to celebrate, as we celebrate it for ourselves, it's not selfish. We share that energetically with others. Remember last week I told the story about Gabor Mate. If you weren't here, he's a therapist. Works with he works with drug addicts, and he said that when he was born, he couldn't stop crying. And his mother called the doctor. He was born in Hungary in 1944, and she called the doctor and she said, "Doctor, what do I do with my son? He won't stop crying." And the doctor said, "Every baby in this town is crying. Every baby in this town can cannot stop crying because they were picking up the anxiety of the mothers." So when we walk out those doors and when we're stressed, resentful, and angry, and in hatred, and and rightfully so many times, that's part of life. It's not to feel those things. It's just don't make it a way of life. To have the the sense of purpose about who I am and what I am. I am a divine idea in the mind of God. I have free choice and will here and now to forgive myself in any moment. And if I'm stuck somewhere, I'll get the, I know the right and perfect help is on its way here now. I'm guided to that, to live in that intuitive knowing as well as the intellectual propensities of thinking and to, and to move in that direction. I mean, that's how we use this teaching. It is, Steiner's got a whole book. Rudolf Steiner's got a whole book on the spirituality of intuitive listening. Whole book. I'm like trying to read that now. It's like, oh my gosh. And he's, he's very interesting to read. I just keep reading and reading and reading it over again. And eventually it, 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 it takes. He's a brilliant man. I can see why Holmes was so drawn to him because he talked about the science of thinking, the science of the mind. Steiner talked about it in the 1900s, and I'm sure Holmes read a great deal of it. Dr. Holmes was quite the man. He was a, he was a nonconformist. When, when Dan got up this morning, I was reading all about him. He's, he was a nonconformist. He quit going to school when he was 15 years old. He said, I hated it. I hated it, and I drove my family crazy because at every family function, I would go and I would, could not stop asking questions. Drove everybody nuts around him because he wanted to know why. He was self-educated. And then he found Ralph Waldo Emerson. And Emerson was a mystic. Emerson quit teaching school because all he was doing with students is forcing them to memorize. And Emerson realized, I don't want to force people to memorize stuff. I want them to learn how to think. That's what Ernest says. To learn how to think is to learn how to live. We are here thinking healthy individuals. We are so blessed to be in this country. And to have the freedoms we have, to have, the, to have the, the protection we have to live a life of freedom and the opportunities and the lives that have gone forth so we can, and, and I think part of our legacy and, and devotion to those that have gone before us is to give, give new thought to possibility and new opportunities. You see our, our teens here. It's one of the best things we do in our movement is our youth. It's one of the best things. The lives are changed. I was talking to my friend, um, Eileen Flanagan in, in Denver, and she said in Denver, what they find with their teens, they're so much further ahead when they get to university because of the ideas they, that they've been exposed to. There's so many of the unfounded fears and, and, uh, and the chaos that so many are subjected to is, is just not alive in them. 
Holmes says, take the time to weed out unbelief. Find the world to be good. Find the good somewhere. See every person as an evolving soul and let your mind be tempered with that human wisdom which rejects the lie, which separates the wheat from the chaff, but in all kindness, sympathy, and compassion. Your system of thought does not deny the merit of human endeavor or intellectual attainment. It does affirm the supremacy of spirit. It is the spirit which creates and sustains all. The spirit is projecting itself through man and woman, coming to greater fruition through us, operating directly in our minds. There comes in this belief a power, a peace, a poise, as one senses our relationship to this all-sustaining good and beauty, which unites everything in one stupendous wholeness. We are the stupendous wholeness. It's our opportunity. It doesn't mean we don't see what's going on, but to continue to nurture that in a beautiful, wonderful way. So I thank you so much for your continued support and love. I'm going to bring Dan and the Boogie Patrol and the guys back up to the platform here to do another song. So it is. Blessings. Thank you.